And we are speaking of the seven mountain mandate. It's the overall series that we are uh, that we are on. And the seven mountain mandate is an understanding of a better understanding of the gospel of the kingdom and the scripture of Matthew twenty eight. 18 and 19, particular 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations that our assignment, our mission is to disciple nations. And many of us have known that scripture. If you've had a heart for the kingdom and for seeing God manifested on planet earth, you've understood that that scripture is there. And and we understand now that it's speaking more than just conversion of souls, but we are called not only called, but that he has and is the solution for the discipling of the nations. And that, you know, even when we ask for revival, revival is what the church needs. It's what we need on the mountain of religion, the mountain where the church is. But revival is not which possesses or occupies land, territory, spiritual land or territory. It is for the church. The church will then arise and occupy all the territory, the spiritual territory they are supposed to occupy. And so we do ask uh, for revival. A revived church will do a much better job of discipling the nations. But of course, there is this secret, this key that a major uh, agent for revival, a major uh, impartation to our spirit, infusion into our spirit comes when we understand the template, the, the focus of of our inheritance, that it's the nations, not just individual souls. There's something ever since I really began to see this message that began to allow me even to, to burn. I feel like I have constant revival. I get tired, but I burn with constant revival because of the mission that is before us. And I think that's something that the Lord has for us. So we are speaking tonight about the mountain of family. And um, this mountain of family is... Uh, you know, every one of these seven mountains as we go through them seems for a moment as we're on, it seems like the most important one of them all. Uh, and this one is another one of them that seems like the most important. And I suppose it's sort of like our human body trying to determine what is more important, your brain, your heart, your liver. There's just things that you can't do without. And uh, that's where it works with these mountains, the mountain of family. We want to look first of all, the first scripture we want to look at is in Malachi Chapter 4 and verses 5 and 6. And of course, this is the last book of the Bible, getting into the closing verses of the Old Testament, and there will be silence for 400 years. So this becomes a very important scripture for us to hang on in that understanding, understanding that context. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the hearts of the children to the fathers. Lest I come and strike the world with a curse. And even that word curse it has an understanding of of disease. uh, and, And kind of offshoots of whatever disease would be. And of all things that the spirit of Elijah would be here for. You hear a lot of conversation, a lot of messages about the spirit of Elijah and coming in the spirit of Elijah, but specifically the spirit of Elijah is said to come to restore family, to restore the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers. And that is 
the primary mission of all the missions, again, of confronting Jezebel, Baal, and everything else, it is so that family can be restored and function the way it's supposed to. And in it, there is some insight, even just from those couple of verses, that let us know that uh, there's this huge tie-in between healing, physical healing, and the restoration of family. Many people ask me, I get asked this all the time, is where is healing? What mountain is healing on? Those called to healing, what mountain are they on? And in, certain, uh, in a certain context, there is disease being released into our systems, into our societies by every mountain. There is, uh, that's a whole other teaching I'll give at some time, or I have here before also, but there is, uh, from the top of the mountain, some kind of disease is being released into society in general. And so overall healing to come into society, we have to see a healing of the seven sectors of society and see the displacement of darkness there. But very specifically, this mountain of family is a mountain where healing, for those who have a heart for healing, if you're called, you feel called to healing, this is your mountain actually. And uh, there is the archangel Raphael, I believe the Lord's shown me, Archangel Raphael is looking to work with those who have a heart for healing and for healing families. And, you know, 90%, there are various, and I think I don't think there's any great secret, various surveys and studies that show us that to 90% of illnesses come from fractured family. In some way or another, it's whether it's the absentee father, some devastation, some fracture in family actually causes and releases disease. And so of all the mountains that releases disease, this is the one that releases the most if it's not properly uh, operated by the sons of God, the light that is on the sons of God. Now we want to look at the spiritual landscape of this mountain of family. And every one of these mountains, we, we identify, the, as it were, the landscape there. And who is the enemy, how he operates, and how is it that the Lord desires us uh, to counter the darkness that the enemy is bringing there. So the spiritual landscape of the mountain of family, the enemy there are the Jebusites. And you know, for every one of these mountains, we are identifying one of the ites from the promised land. Israel had to display seven nations greater and mightier than them. They're Hittites, Jebusites, Girgashites, all these ites, and this is one of the ites, and this is the ite that corresponds with the enemy as being the enemy on this mountain. It speaks into both the demons and the lies and the strategy of the enemy on that mountain, and it's basically rejection. Jebusites represent rejection. Every one of the mountains we have, uh, I believe, continually laid out that the enemy doesn't have a sophisticated intent, sophisticated uh, plan of action. There is some simple thing that he, is, that he is doing, and he is doing very well. And this is what he is sowing in family. He begins attacking you and me. He goes after us, sowing rejection from before we are born, from when we're in the womb of our mother. He is after us, sowing seeds of rejection and This is the demon that torments us, the strategy he uses to torment us, so that Baal, the principality, might take us, so he might distort us, uh, that he might pervert us even, and depending on the work of rejection that is done in us and to us, it conditions us to receive even a a deeper uh, and a more profound wounding from the principality that is there. So we don't... 
uh, we're, we recognize that the enemy is trying to condition us to be open to even a greater evil. Now, the principality on this mountain, as I already mentioned, is Baal. And his name means Lord of Jezebel, which makes it pretty obvious that they work together, Jezebel and Baal. And it is the spirit of perversion that is behind homosexuality, abortion, cutting oneself, uh, psychopathic disorders, eating disorders, various manifestations of self-hatred. We have listed these three right here uh, primarily as the three primary ones at this time, but there, there, are, there are others. So the principality works as a spirit of perversion, and it is interesting whether it's right or wrong, I'm not totally sure, but many believe, many in the prophetic movement, many of the intercessors believe that the strong man, the greater principality that we are up against in this nation is Baal. And, um, and that would be the principality is illegally. Again, every power and principality that exists in any sector of society is there illegally. He's not coming to die again. He already paid the price. He paid the price with his blood. All power, all authority is mine in heaven and earth. Go therefore and let them know that they're illegal and knock them off of there. And so it's not that they have a right to anything they're doing. We just have to get enough of sons and daughters of God's in the spirit of Caleb with enough resolve to go and confront. And then the Lord will back up and show his mighty right hand through his sons and daughters. Now, we want to just look at a couple of those things, maybe... Three of those things I mentioned, a couple of scriptures tied into them, Uh, this thing of cutting oneself. You know, this is a thing that uh, it's particularly prevalent right now, I say among our youth and young people, but it's also in adults, uh, the cutting of oneself. And I want to show you that as being an extension of Baal worship, not that that's their intention at all, what they're doing, but this, what was used, the scripture we point out there is 1 Kings 18.28. And that 1 Kings 18 chapter is the chapter where Baal is being confronted by Elijah. Elijah has the people of Israel come to Mount Carmel. And he lays out this, uh, we'll say a contest, spiritual contest. You cry out to your God, I'll cry out to my God. The God who answers by fire, he is God. And, um, well, this was the part when they are crying out to their God. They have the 850 representatives, the prophets of Baal. And they are crying out to their God to Baal to answer by fire. You remember later on, Elijah by himself calls for the fire of God and it takes on the altar and the people, there's this great uh, moment when there is a realization at a nation level, at an entire uh, uh, country level, the whole country, oh my goodness, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God, it is not Baal. So this is an awesome chapter, but it's insightful that as they are trying to get a response from Baal, he's not answering. Elijah is mocking them, making fun. He must be asleep. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's texting or something. Uh, do something else. You know, yell. And so it says, they cried aloud and they cut themselves. It's 1 Kings eighteen twenty eight. So they cried aloud and cut themselves as was their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. And so this is, a, 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 this is an operation that uh, comes, that it shows that Baal and the powers that be on this mountain uh, illegally, these illegal, wrong, dark powers that they have been operating on people. And so when we see uh, our sons and daughters 
going through this is it a, it's a manifestation of self-hatred. It is sort of is designed to be a preconditioning for suicide. It doesn't mean that's what's going to happen, but it is an extension of, uh, of self-hatred. Uh, not right, necessarily right here in their mind that I hate myself. Sometimes they know that, but they just know they should feel pain because they're bad. And so that's, that is what's taking place. This is one of those things happening in family. Uh, or I guess I said it on the, I forgot that I had written on this, a visible manifestation of self-rejection. It's in, internalized self-rejection or self-hatred. Uh, no, internalized self-rejection, self-hatred will often show up as an autoimmune disease. And so sometimes this is one manifestation and then there is the, uh, the other. Uh, it can be both ways also, but then there is the internalized uh, manifestation of, of this conditioning of Baal, what he has done in families that causes uh, autoimmune diseases. And again, it doesn't mean you consciously, if you suffer from an autoimmune disease, it doesn't mean you consciously go around saying, thinking, I hate myself. In fact, there are people that may brag and, 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 and uh, be, uh, you know, their, their words and their verbiage is as if, oh, no, they're, they, they think they're great. But something inside them is betraying them. Something inside is, is, uh, is not believing even their own words. It's revealing what is going on in, internally. And there's been a conditioning because of rejection in their life. And either the actual rejection or how they process rejection has allowed there to be a seed sown deep inside. And so there is internal rejection that is showing up that way. This is just, again, a cursory understanding of what the enemy is doing on this mountain and what we have to go up against, and what we have to bring the opposite spirit to, and what we have the opposite spirit to that is provided to us through our Lord. Now, we want to look at homosexuality as Baal worship. This is where self-rejection has progressed to rejection of one's own sexuality. And there is, uh, again, multiple studies will, will make a direct connection to fatherlessness uh, and homosexuality. Not that everyone who's fatherless will be homosexual sexual, or have those tendencies, but there is this uh, what is picked up in the psyche, in the spirit and soul of a person is self-rejection. And really, uh, without going any too deep into the different nuances, we can just uh, want to let you know that this is how it manifests, that this rejection has now gone deep enough where someone is rejecting their own sexuality and therefore there is a distortion from inside. And uh, homosexuality can also happen as an extension of just uh, perverse explorations where you're pushing the limits of sexual experimentation and, and, and it becomes like a drug. You're trying to get another kick out of it and so you just keep push, pushing uh, new lines and new limits and in that you open yourself up to uh, a spirit even through experimentation. So there are the ways that homosexuality can come but you, we want to understand that part of the conditioning of rejection that begins all the way from the womb is to distort things, to pervert things. Baal perverts, distorts, twists things, and, and, uh, and this becomes uh, the evidence that he has been uh, operating on your, in your life and on your life. We see that also that homosexual acts were an actual part of service to Baal. That when they had their rituals to Baal, this was an extension. This was part of their worship service to Baal, is they even had male prostitution. This is what is known historically about worship to Baal. 
So we want to understand that homosexuality, that becomes an extension. It becomes a manifestation of worship to Baal. Not that those who have those feelings feel like that's what they're trying to do. It's just the way it it works out. We want to look at abortion as Baal worship. This is where self-rejection has advanced to rejection of one's own continuity. So if you see, it's all, it's all this thing of rejection, rejection, rejection. You reject your sexuality, then you reject your own continuity, which amazingly, it seems impossible how you could reject your own child, but this is what is taking place. And there is a conditioning. It doesn't just happen in that moment. You know, there may be, uh, uh, there's exceptions to everything that we're talking about, but it's not like uh, there's just a 19-year-old teen and it's difficult decisions, should I or should I not at that moment. There's generally been a conditioning that has taken place for years and years and years in order that there will be ultimately some kind of death. Baal works with Jezebel. Their ultimate goal is to bring death, whether it's through eating disorders, whether it's through the disease that comes in when there is a perversion of God-ordained sexual mores, because that is what happens. Whether it's homosexuality, other things, uh, as God's ordained sexual mores are distorted and perverted, there is a subsequent release of disease that is, it just sin being its own reward. It's not even that God is saying, I judge you because you're doing that. It is just sin being its own reward. Let's look at Jeremiah 32, 35. And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and daughters to pass through the fire to Molech, There should be really dot, dot, dot in this, and that's okay. This is not fully the last two lines or not exactly how the scripture uh, comes out, but it's, it's, uh, you get the understanding. To cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire to Molech, this abomination to cause Judah to sin. This is to show you that part of the actual worship of Baal, there was actual worship of Baal that involved homosexual behavior, that part of the worship of Baal involved causing sons and daughters to pass through the fire, sacrifice of children to Baal. And so there is discussion and argument about abortion and pro-life, pro-choice, but there is principalities and powers operating behind the scenes, and this becomes what their intention is, what their goal is. And, and we look for the, over the last 35 years in this country that there has been uh, in excess of 50 million babies sacrificed to Molech, if you want to say, on the altar of Baal. You can say maybe Baal is, has been a pretty powerful principality in our nation and does need to be displaced. That was going into some of the spiritual landscape, the negative, what's been operating, what needs to be displaced. We want to look now at some of the solutions God has, the important role of pastors. And on every one of these mountains, we are taking note and informing on another look at, we'll say, what are the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists, different ways they show up on these mountains. And it's specifically the mantle of pastor that is powerful and that has been ordained by God on the mountain of family to displace the darkness, to showcase the face of God. Every one of these mountains, there is, a, again, a direct connection in time with one of the seven spirits of God. 
He not only has, he is the answer. He is the solution. He is God the family man, and he is God the pastor, God our shepherd. And as we see that face and we are able to manifest that face into society, we become the displacers of darkness. His glory is seen upon his sons and daughters, and the nations can walk to the light of the sons of God, as it says in Isaiah 60 and verse 3. Now we want to look at, first of all, have on the list female pastors. And um, as we identify female pastors, we want to take note that we are talking about the way pastors show up on a different mountain, not the mountain of religion, not the mountain of the church. Having said that, there is uh, a, a truth that both the mountain of religion where the church is, as well as the mountain of family, would both be best served if there were female pastors released. And uh, they will have less they won't have any scriptures to hold them back. They won't have any traditional denominational uh, doctrines that keep them from show, uh, showing up with their pastoral mantles on this mountain of family. And we need, uh, we need both in the house of God, we need women fully uh, released and empowered to carry the anointing, the pastoral anointing. They are more naturally or spiritually wired to be better pastorally, to be more uh, sensitive, wise, and all kinds of things. It doesn't mean it's, that there isn't, this, there isn't such a thing as sensitive men or that there is, uh, there is you know, we're pastoral too, but there really is a stronger uh, gift. It's a more natural gift that is taking place there, a, a, a more natural shepherding ability, and we want to see the church fully blessed. We want to see women pastors, female pastors released, but also on this mountain of the family, there is a need for uh, God's daughters to be released, and you won't be called pastors on this mountain, at least it doesn't seem like it, that's not the point. On any of the other mountains, the point is not trying to carry the title of apostle, prophet, evangelist, you know, any of these fivefold ministry titles, it's not that. It's carrying the function, it's carrying the mantle, the anointing that displaces the darkness. We are empowered by God to go in the opposite spirit of what is ruling and reigning there. And, and it's the pastoral heart and anointing that carries the acceptance of God. And that is the antidote to the rejection that there's being, is being stirred and ministered there by the powers and principalities and basic common demons on that mountain, the mountain of family. Now, marketplace pastors, this, this would be... Uh, and there are great stories and testimonies we can't get into of, of people, you know, a president of a bank who the Lord challenged him to be the pastor of his bank. And there is a great story there of how he began to walk in that and he even had his employees call him a pastor instead of uh, any other, whatever other title he would normally have and, and just how the blessings of the Lord came on his bank. And so one of the things the Lord wants us to do is to practically carry this pastor, pastoral care in, in areas of society. And there's a, he'll challenge us in whatever area that we have jurisdiction to operate there in a pastoral context. Government services pastors. And this is maybe the greater, the greater area of need or the greatest area of need for release of the sons and daughters of the king. And uh, this, uh, you know, most specifically might be where you are called to function if it's been prophesied over you 
that you're called to be a pastor. You know, we have people all over the place have had prophetic words that there is a pastoral calling on their life and they're just waiting and waiting either for the pastor or his associates to die so they can have some pulpit time. And yet there is this entire mountain that is devastating our world. And in America, where we have tens of thousands of pastors and tens of thousands of those being trained and waiting in line and going through schools of ministry and seminary so they can find a role in a church. Meanwhile, we have areas like defects and other uh, departments of social services that need to be filled. Defects, just for example, should be... It would be glorious if it was 100% staffed by those that carry a pastoral mantle and anointing from the household of God and that they would understand that this is their mission, this is their assignment. Because it is generally defects that gets first shot at the initial cracks and fracture in a family. A family has its first deep trouble and its defects. They're generally sending someone. There are believers there. We, we, we know that. But most of them may not even operate out of, out of an understanding that they are called to, to be displacers of darkness there. But before, by the time the family gets to the mountain of religion, they are so fractured. It's not, I won't say it's almost hopeless, but it's, it is it is much more difficult job once the, the, the family in trouble gets to the mountain of religion where the church is. And so this would be on the front end of things. If we could fill this mountain, this is a very practical area that God needs his sons and daughters to arise and shine. Your light has come and displace the darkness that is there. And we need, uh, we need sons and daughters of the king to operate there in a very practical way, being the first line of defense, the counselors, the helpers in, uh, that come to the individual families and situations there, but also to create the structures of defects and, and whatever other social agencies that are pro-defense of the family. This is where God really desires to release this Joseph anointing, the dreams of Papa, for society to bring great help and change there. Judges who are pastors. God is desirous to fill, uh, uh, you know, uh, there, there is jurisdiction given to many judges to, uh, they have specific areas of family that they speak into, and depending on what states and even what nations we're talking about, there's uh, judges given a lot of latitude to operate really as pastors, where they determine whether someone is due grace or judgment. You know, what do you do when a 15-year-old comes for the first time, he's caught with a significant amount of drugs, and he says he's sorry? You need someone with some discernment, some, not just the, you know, the law, exactly what it says, but to have some heart for that person, some understanding, some wisdom and counsel from God, what to do in this matter. And this becomes a place where we need pastors, Maybe officially judges, but they're carrying the mantle of pastor. And we have a much more desperate need, again, of pastors out there than necessarily in a lot of... uh, We need good pastors in church, too. We have a lot of breakdown. We need good pastors everywhere, actually. But we need... uh, This is a real specific uh, area that we need God's people to have an understanding that they may be called, that if you were prophesied again, that you are called to be a pastor, you may have been, in fact... The thoughts of God are, I would like you to be a judge that that would have jurisdiction over families. Lawmakers who are pastors. And this would be those that are involved in in, uh, making laws and uh, and being a part of uh, resisting laws and making laws. But 
looking at it from the angle of the mountain of family, where uh, the laws would be designed to enhance and to protect family and the entity of marriage and how to look after couples and have to, how to be the first line of defense for children. And there, there's many of these things exist, but again, the first line of defense right now is generally just governmental help. It's not where the sons and daughters of the king are, and this does need to be, again, filled with sons and daughters of the king, and there are whole institutional uh, strategies and ideas and new ways of doing things from God to economically even benefit and bless families that he wants to assist his lawmakers. He will have his archangels, his angels to work in the coming days with his sons and daughters to bring radical overhaul. This mountain of family desperately needs those under the spirit of Elijah to come and turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers so that there not be a curse of despair and illness among the nations as there is now. And we could speak much more into that also. Now, I want to look at um, dealing with rejection and... um, We mentioned that at first, that this becomes the initial conditioning of the Jebusites, the demons on that mountain. And um, I believe that's the next uh, PowerPoint slide I have. Is it not on there? Unless I got mine turned around. Or you're on what the Bible says about family. That's good. We went over there. That's no problem either. What the Bible says about family. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation, God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. This is part of establishing God's heart that he is Mr. Family Man himself. In the very beginning, he said, let us make man. There was the family, the Holy Trinity. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit may, in fact, be, we know there's a feminine gender to Ruach, the word for wind there. And we know that he said he made man in his image, male and female, so that there is male and female is a part of who God is. So there is the family, he is the family man, but he is the family woman also, or he, she, how this all works. There's an element of mystery. We won't try to uh, explain it more than is possible, but he is, uh, he is the original family man, and family becomes God's cure for man's, woman's innate loneliness. And we even saw there in Genesis, it says, and God saw that Adam was alone. He said, it's not good that he's alone. And so he created family. And a scripture I didn't put up there, but I was just looking at it afterwards out of Ephesians three, fourteen and 15. It says, for this reason, I bend my knees to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He speaks of Father and that the whole family in heaven and in earth is named after him, that he would grant you to be strengthened in your inner man. He goes on to speak to know the love of Christ, that he works exceedingly abundantly what you can ask or think. This is all in the context of him being the family man. There is the family of heaven, the family of earth. God, his initial 
uh, help for us and for, again, part of the cure for loneliness. There's more purpose in that for family, but is natural family. But we have such a fractured society, and because the sons and daughters of the king have not shown up enough and have not, not brought all the light that we need to bring into this mountain, we have great devastation. Even in the household of God, divorces, fractured families are pretty much equal as what's ex- what exists in the world because we have not gone to the, exa- the institutions that we need to be in and brought the light there. And so the institutions are bringing and allowing darkness to come into family that is penetrating even the household of God. So then God, he provides a secondary uh, family nest, as it were, and cure and help for us is the spiritual family. And many, even many of you, maybe your natural family, there's, there's no relationship with, and there are the fractures gotten so deep that there is, you know, there's nothing you can do. You've done all you know how to pray and say you're sorry and forgive, and yet there is this need for family, and so God provides the household of faith as a secondary place for uh, a manifestation of, of family. Family is at the core of who God is, his heart, and it's part of our, our healing, part of our restoration in all areas uh, of, of uh, our life, body, soul, spirit, emotions in every way. Now we'll talk about dealing with rejection a little bit more and take it to a, a closing and, and a prayer. Maybe even the Lord will, in this short time that we're doing this, provide some healing for those who are listening, and because we know just to speak of these things, we're not going in depth on it, but it does surface those things and surface understanding in our own hearts and spirit of things that have happened to us. And with dealing with rejection, first of all, you may have agreed with the lie, your perception at the time. Again, the enemy is going after you from the time before you were even born to tell you he is speaking to you when you're in the womb saying, you are not wanted, you are not wanted. And if he has any kind of uh, fuel from anything that actually happened to confirm that to you, then you have a, a rejection that you have a tough time dealing with. And it, but it, it could have been a lie. It could have been, uh, you know, your, your parents loved you, could have been, you know, you, you may know and say, no, not in my case, and that could very well be true. But there are situations where, you know, parents could have wanted you, loved you. One time they got tired, they got mad at you when you were five or seven. I wish you had never been born. And that's the thing that sticks. The enemy says, see, they wish you had never been born. And it's really not a true picture of the way they felt overall about you. And so it becomes really, uh, because of your perception at that time, you may have agreed with a lie. And so you have to uh, um, understand that there could have been real rejection or perceived rejection. In a way, it doesn't really matter. You have to deal with the, the rejection one way or the other, whether it's real or perceived. And so point number two is rejection's poison stays active in you until you forgive the rejector. And this becomes an important thing. It's real easy to put it as point number two and say it, but we know that There are severe cases, and it is difficult, and the Lord knows it's difficult, but it's still a truth. There is poison released into you, and it continues to turn you and twist you and cause all kinds of abnormal aberrations to be birthed and released in you if you cannot forgive the rejecter. So you're not really, uh, it's not even for uh, the person who abused you. 
or rejected you that you are doing this. This is for your own good. Because if not, you are allowing something. It's a poison. If you just look at it that way, as a poison that stays active in you, working in you, twisting you from the inside. Number three, rejection is an opportunity to be fast-forwarded into the purposes of God for your life. If you remember the story of David, little David, and uh, we have taught that he probably was the son of an illegitimate relationship between Jesse and maybe a servant girl there, because why was he not part of the brothers there? And in Psalms he says, in sin was I conceived. And then you go through the Psalms and and he has the heart of someone who has overcome rejection, but he's, he's one that has learned to be very honest with God and you'll start many of his chapters out, oh God, why are you forsaken? You let the enemy triumph over me. You're not helping me. I'm sick and I'm this. And before the end of the chapter, but you, oh Lord, and I will praise you forever and all this kind of stuff. And so he starts in honesty and then he pulls himself up. He, he'll instruct himself, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless the Lord. But I believe that the Lord has shown me that a, a key for David even finding that supernatural strength because he defeated Goliath not just because he became an expert at sling, but he had stepped into a supernatural realm. He, his testimony was, the lion and the bear came and I tore them with my bare hands. And he said, a lion got a lamb and he ran and I chased the lion down. So he's out running lines, then he's grabbing lines by the mouth and he's tearing them. He says, through God, I can leap over a wall, I can run through a troop, So this is supernatural stuff. How did he get plutonium in his blood? And it's because he had to overcome profound rejection. And if you will overcome profound rejection, and the only way you can profound is to find him in a profound way, but you can find him in such a profound way that it'll fast forward you, catapult you into the purposes of God for your life. So this is the encouragement for us all that whatever rejection we may have experienced, if we will use it to go after God in a more profound way, because since Papa or Mama or uncles or whoever didn't accept us, there's like nobody, and then you got to go but God, and then you find him like nobody else found him, and then even a whole nation is amazed, as is the story of David. Number four, if it encourages any, nobody has ever not been rejected. It's just a reality of life. It's those hurdles of life that we must overcome. If you can imagine, the God of the universe comes and visits his children. The Son of Man becomes flesh here on earth. And his own children spit on him, beat him, and crucify him. So that is the God of the universe. And so you can imagine... That if that's what he's had to go through, that there are dimensions of that much lesser for 99.99%, I would have guessed. But there are, it becomes part of life, overcoming rejection. And it becomes a, 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 a key demarcation point in our life of who and what we will become, what we will be. And often... We can be believers in name. We have done the prayer, but we are stuck because we haven't fully broken through this rejection thing. We keep feeling it. We keep having it reinforced. And um, 
That's why it's even, again, just this ministry that we have in the, in the church here, life skills, is, is even uh, becomes a tool for learning how to function in family and how to properly uh, deal with rejection. There's many tools the Lord, Lord has for us, but ultimately he is the primary tool in any way. David didn't have life skills. He didn't have sozos. He didn't have anything but desperation. He went to God and he poured out his heart and he probably yelled at God and he probably told him in his early years he hated him and he, he's just, he was this guy who was honest and God can handle your honesty. He can handle you saying, this is a bad deal. You know, David could be, my dad won't even recognize me. And I'm here, I'm the illegitimate. They call me names and all these things. And it's okay. God can handle your anger at that stage. But it's not to leave you there. So you find another dimension of him in your desperation. And then you become a deliverer yourself and one who can bring great freedom to others. So our mission on the mountain of family want to go, we've been sort of laying it out, but just to make it as specific as possible. Our mission on this mountain is to fill the mountain with the pastorally hearted. And we could say with pastors, but we're not talking about having to, you know, it's, it's not a title of pastors, but it's pastorally hearted. Those who heal rejection. That is our basic assignment on the mountain of family, to heal rejection. And we have to carry a spirit of acceptance ourselves and we are to fill the mountain at every possible juncture. Again, stating, uh, uh, pointing out in social services and in lawmaking and in, in funding this. And God could call you to the mountain of family in, 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 as an intercessor uh, and, uh, as, again, as a financier. And there's just so many different ways that he could use you on this mountain. But it's your desire, first of all, you have seen a God of acceptance. You've received the God of acceptance. You've had some level of victory over rejection in your own life. And it is your heart to see those under your sphere of influence to experience the acceptance of Christ. The acceptance that comes from Mr. Family Man himself, Papa. Number two, uh, some will have a structural mission. I'm kind of sort of repeating, but it's okay. Uh, some will have a structural mission on this mountain of family, and you will work with the institutions and laws that protect family and give financial incentives to its well-being. And there is a way that we even speak into society and prophesy into society through our laws and through our uh, legislative uh, advances towards family that speaks into the value of family, and there's obviously an all-out assault against family, redefinition of family, and um, we can even uh, get into the wrong, uh, the wrong protests there. And uh, there's so much more of a need for God's children to manifest true family than just to protest those who are attacking family. And I could go down there some more, but we won't. Number three, part of our mission on the mountain of family is that some will have a person-to-person mission or a mission to marriages. So I was speaking that there is some who will have a structural mission to the institutions and laws itself of family and social services, and then some will have this call to be those who minister on a person-to-person basis, or you can specifically have a mandate or call to marriages. Know that if you do, that you are operating on the mountain of family. There is help from God. There is mantle a displacing mantle, a mantle that will displace darkness that carries his anointing, his help. You are a minister of God. 
You're just as valid a minister of God that is your platform, your pulpit, than as if you were ordained to minister in a church. And it's part of, again, the new understanding the Lord is giving us is that the whole world is our congregation. There is no secular. There is no sacred. It's not that to be a man of God behind the pulpit in the mountain of religion is greater than that. That could be as great or greater depending on uh, how well you serve the Lord there. And so if you'll embrace that identity and that call and understand that God has a pulpit, a platform, not looking like this, but he has a setting for you where you can show up, whether it's addressing the structures or the individual people, then it will be uh, uh, a day where greater victories will be made available through God's people, uh, a great change that will be uh, brought forth in the spirit of Elijah. Before the coming day of the Lord, he will raise up his sons, his daughters, and the spirit of Elijah that will confront the enemy in this way, and uh, it will bring healing. There will be a release of healing. Uh, again, to just say that again, that there has been such a heart by so many to, to initiate healing crusades and, and to bring healing in that way, and that is good, but I want to tell you again, healing crusades and the, the whole healing movement that takes place that way is sort of like having an eraser at the bottom of the mountain. The damage has been done, and so you're trying to bring them back up to uh, point one. But then if the structures themselves are still broken, they will, in another year, some same disease or a different disease because we haven't addressed the root cause of this. And so we need people, we need a healing release of sons and daughters who are going after root cause matters. And it's not just come to Jesus, get saved, because people how many of you know God's people that are saved are just as broken? There is a, another institutional level, a deeper level, where we need to begin to bring the wisdom. We will. This is not just a strategic declaration. It is a prophetic declaration. We will see God's children arise and bring the light of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. And we will showcase God. We will see a God who has the answer for societal families and structures, and we will manifest that, and he will be revealed as the desire of the nations. Now, we are going to have a communion among ourselves here in just a moment, make a, co a connection with uh, family. But I want to give an opportunity, I want to say a prayer, both for those who are watching this video and, and, uh, or online or web streaming, and, but if you are here tonight and you already knew it or your heart is stirred, that you have a call to the mountain of family, I usually have you come forward, but uh, we're going to uh, not do that this time. I just want to invite you to stand where you're at and I want to pray for you if you know that you have a call to the mountain of family. Because I believe there is a release, there's something important about you standing um, and let it be known that you are saying, I'm putting my stake in this mountain. This is where I'm operating. I'm looking for help. I'm looking for provision, direction, strategy from God. I'm looking for the angels, the archangels to assist me. And he sees you. He sees the statement you're making, the declaration you're making. He understands what you've had to overcome. Some of you still overcoming. And uh, I believe he's going to release. This is amazing, actually. This is three quarters of, of the congregation here standing up. And of course, there is a practical way where we can see that all of us have it called the family because we all have families or, or have come from a family. But I just want to uh, pray for you and online also. And I believe there will be a, a release and even an activation of things in the heavens over you. So if you just close your eyes and just raise your hands, uh, 
I just want to pray for you. So, Lord, we just thank you that you are God the family man. You are Papa. And that you look out for your sons and daughters. And that you have your solutions that you are ready to release through to first your sons and daughters, then through your sons and daughters for societies, for nations, Lord, and that there will be new laws and there will be new manifestations and new social expressions, even uh, things like defects that will bring solutions and healing and, and you will begin to release these things through your sons and daughters. And I thank you, Lord, for these that have stood up here. And Lord, these that are, if you're online watching this, I ask you to stand there also, and just let it be known before heaven that you're, you're volunteering on the mountain of family. You're saying, whatever I can do, Papa, I'm here to showcase who you are, the accepting God, and how you bring healing at every level. And I just ask, Lord, that you would release, even right now, that they would be able to feel even on the tops of their heads, Lord, as it were, as you see you pouring an anointing oil on their heads, anointing them for the mission on this mountain. Lord, that you would begin to open doors and begin to connect them and begin to allow them even to, uh, uh, to, to rope themselves together. Mountain climbers rope themselves together. And I see the Lord tying ropes between different ones of you even here. And, and I'm sure this will be online and those watching this. He will rope different ones of you together. And, and in, this, uh, in this unity, as one could chase 10,000, two will chase 10,000. You can imagine if five, six, eight, ten of you began to gather together. And so, Lord, I ask for the finances to be released. I ask for the strategies to be released. I ask for the anointing to be released, Lord. I ask for the new thing to be released on your sons and daughters. Those that are here right now, Lord, I thank you. Something is happening and shifting over their heavens even right now, Lord. And I ask that the, in their own spirit, there would be a resolve that comes to them. And understanding that they're a minister of you, the Most High. That they are a son and daughter of you representing you in an important, a very important, desperately important mission, Lord. And I ask you to release the spirit of Elijah, Lord. Release the spirit of Elijah on them. On your sons and daughters, even now. Let that spirit, let that fire I see it come into your spirits as a fire. Let that come and be manifested among and through them, Lord. And let them be the redeemers, the reformers of their cities and nations as they bring your glory into this mountain of family, Lord. Thank you for what you're going to do there. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.